right, welcome everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's wonderful having you all with me. All right, before we get to anything else, I just a uh, quick note I have to say. Uh, some of you probably already know this, regular listeners, or even noticing this. We are just not on Spotify anymore. That's it. I cut the cord. I mean, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of reasons I haven't I haven't been I've been feeling kind of guilty for using Spotify and uh, in general, and uh, there was starting to be some hassles for some of the music clips I do, and I just don't don't have any interest. I know there's some music podcasts where they don't actually play music and they just talk about it, and I'm not doing that. I have no interest in that. So. We cut the cord. I'm not on Spotify. I'm everywhere else. So hopefully you're listening to this on some other platform, whatever it is. Subscribe to it. You know, tell everyone about it. Uh, but just no more Spotify. So that's it. It's done. No big deal. Moving on. Uh, my guest today is a, a, a Grammy winner, a Grammy Award winning uh, musician, uh, fiddle player. Uh, he uh, The Grammy was for his band, The Lost Bayou Ramblers who play this like traditional Louisiana folk music, I guess, something like that. Um, but yeah, he's great, and he's got a uh, solo release out now called Rev du Troubadour, which is really also really great and really interesting. And it's he's the guest, and the record he picked is was very surprising to me because he picked like a Pink Floyd album, and not even a very well-known Pink Floyd album, uh, although I'm sure it's well-known for some people. And it's interesting, and we'll see. Uh, you'll see when we're talking to him, it kind of makes more sense when at first I'm like, wow, did he really pick that? But uh, yeah, it, it was it was great. And it was a great conversation. So let's get to that. Here is my conversation with Louis Michaud. All right. So the, the one thing I have to get out of the way, because I just, I'm curious. So you're a, um, a fiddle player. You're a musician, but you were a um, fiddler and the songwriter and the vocalist for Grammy winners Lost Bayou Ramblers. So how does that guy, how does that dude, like when I ask you to pick an album, where does Pink Floyd's metal come into this? <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the beauty of music, you know, it's just right. like, you know, I mean, I can't say we're not inspired by this album, you know, if like, if you look at where you come from and where you end up, you know, I know I'll save it for the thing, but yeah, I mean, if you look, you know, it's no, just... this is it. This is the thing we're doing it now. I'm recording it. So <laughs> Oh, cool, cool. Oh, great, great. <laughs> We're in it. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I definitely, you know, grew up playing Cajun music from the family influence and had, grew up in a family band. And my brother being a little older than me, he started playing first. And, you know, at the same time, he inherited my dad's record collection, which even my dad's a Cajun musician. He had Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and the likes on vinyl. Right, right. And, uh, so we were hugely influenced by that, of course. And now I'm watching my kids start to get into that same music. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know if you'd ever actually get into all this. It's great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he's been listening. My 12-year-old's been listening to Pink Floyd. And that was the first CD. One of the first CDs my brother bought was Pink Floyd Metal. And he had like a 24-karat gold CD. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was like you know it was one of these 1990s deals you know and uh, and so I started listening to that song and I was becoming a teenager and going out with friends and stuff and it just really uh it really got me high as you said you know right so yeah but and that's interesting so uh, what year is this when he's getting that that CD like uh, around what time is this? it must have been it must have been like 92 or 93 I bet when he got it. maybe even 91 or so 
Okay, so was he already a Pink Floyd fan, or did he just stumble on that? Because that's a, it's kind of like a strange introduction to Pink Floyd, but but not really because it, it, it. So I didn't realize it, it was their sixth album. So it came out in 1971, and I guess uh, some people consider it sort of like their transition from the Sid era, from the Sid Barrett era, to what uh, people know of Pink Floyd after that. You know, a Dark Side of the Moon and all that. Yeah, I mean, I, the he. I would say neither of us are huge like Pink Floyd fans where we don't actually know. I mean, he might know more than me. I don't know a whole lot, but right. for whatever reason, this album stands out. Ah, okay, okay. And, you know, and he he uh, was playing blues guitar. And my brother Andre is the accordion player in Lost by Ramblers. Oh, okay, nice. So he and I founded Lost by Ramblers in 1999. He was playing blues guitar. We grew up in Lafayette and in Baton Rouge at different times. And he was playing like blues guitar you know, learning the rock and roll classics, learning the blues classics. He'd be going to Tabby's Blues Box in Baton Rouge playing on the uh, on the jams when he was like 15. And he was getting into all kind of music. And so I think this album particularly just has that interesting, it's got both this like real roots edge and then the super psychedelic thing at the same time. Right, right, right. And so that, you know, it, it really, it's different than all their other albums. And I only recently heard their first album, their kind of like psych rock album. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminded me of modern psych rock. I was like, oh, that's where that comes from. Okay, right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah, okay. So I could I could see him sort of grab because I, I would I would think the first thing that might stick out to him is uh, David uh, Gilmore, obviously, you know, blues, because he basically was a blues uh, guitarist, you know, and kind of they got him into the band sort of like as as a replacement in a way for Sid because he was going to sing. I mean, he sings most of the songs on this and obviously his guitar playing's all over it. But maybe that was his attraction. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm not a huge Pink Floyd fan, and I know obviously there's some songs we all know be, just because they got for a while they were just all over the radio. You know, rock radio, classic rock radio is always going to play Pink Floyd. But metal, yeah, it is kind of it's an odd mixture in a way, right? Because it has these like songs that almost folky quality to some of them, right? Yes, yes, it's it's. It, it, it's such a it almost gives you visuals like where they're at it puts you in a in an environment these songs right it's like some of them you you feel like you're on some isolated house out in the seaside of either england or or the south in america like it has that real laid-back kind of bluesy southern side and then with but perfectly in its own english manner and uh yeah, and there's like this total roots element to the album that is, oh man, it's so cool too. The way they, which is, I mean, hey, that's a lot like Lost by Ramblers does right there. And they, I do on my solo stuff, which is taking older acoustic roots musics and adding elements of ambience and psychedelia and uh, different, you know, different movements and different feels to a roots music. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that's something I wanted to touch on just on on your release that uh, the, the Rev du uh, Troubadour. That's one thing I noticed because you know I, I've been on this kick for a while where I don't want to say uh, genre anymore. I don't want to say oh it's this, it's that because it's just music. 
but it is yeah. that's sort of what I hear in that because it is a combination. You have those these rootsy like uh, you know uh, uh, instruments, and and you get the feel of a place, which is it's really interesting. I read so you recorded this in a, is the studio on a houseboat. So yes, my uh, I live I live way out in the country near Arnaville, Louisiana, and a friend of mine was renovating a houseboat to make a solar powered studio, and he ended up building a bigger houseboat because this one was a smaller hull from South Florida back there. He picked up, and uh, he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna make a." He's like, "You mind if I store the boat here, and you can try to mess with it if you want." And so he left it here and during the pandemic, I ended up renovating the houseboat and I moved my studio into it and started just kind of, yeah, but it was on a, it was on a trailer at my house. It wasn't right, in the water. Right, 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 right. So it's kind of, but it's, it, I live on a, you know, in a interesting little prairie and uh, one of the old Mississippi river channels uh, from a, like a thousand years ago in South Louisiana, you know, it's changed course so many times and it's like a prairie inside the swamp. And it's kind of like being in the ocean. If you're sitting on a houseboat, you're looking over this vast, uh, you know, vast kind of green environment or watching the uh, changing seasons and such. Right. When I recorded the album, I didn't even mean to record the album. First of all, it started like early in the pandemic in 2020. And then by 2021, I had started uh, really putting some songs out early in 2021. And, uh, by 2022, I did kind of my last few big ones. Then I just decided, I called uh, Mark Bingham, who was living at this house I'm in right now, and he had a, his professional studio in here. And Mark Bingham and Kirkland Middleton and uh, Brian Weber were my band, The Melody Makers, at the time. And we, and I said, hey, do y'all want to see about making some music with The Melody Makers? I'm not sure if it's right, if it's not right for The Ramblers. And they were kind of like, yeah, this isn't, you know, this doesn't seem like this band's music either. It sounds like it's your music. And I was like, yeah, I guess, uh, right. I guess you're right. You know, I, I hadn't thought about doing a solo record. So it kind of just, it took a few years for me to realize what was happening and I was making a solo record. And uh, so in 2022, I poured myself into it. And then in 2023, I, we started performing it and I put it out uh, September 22nd of 2023. Oh, Okay. Nice. And, um, and yeah, and I definitely hear on this because I hear sort of like, uh, you know, sort of like the same thing in metal where it's a combination where you, you think it's one thing, but then you hear some uh, modern things coming in there and this modern sounds. And it's just, uh, in a way at first it's almost kind of jarring, but it's really, it's really cool because from song to song, there's just so much different things going on, you know? It's all very creative and and a way experimental and and that's the thing the takeaway the big takeaway for this album for metal as well right because these guys were really they were just looking to just try different things and just totally go off the rails with experimenting that's a great point i mean the diversity of the song selection on my album is definitely something that you know as that can be noticed because especially coming from you know, playing in a Cajun band that always plays two steps, waltzes, blues, mostly traditional. We do some pretty off the wall stuff right. for a Cajun band, but it's still within the Cajun 
frame. Now I'm doing this all in French, which I which is my my love language, my musical love language. Oh, uh, okay. I was uh, wondering that. I was wondering that. <laughs> yeah, I just I just naturally really like writing in French and like singing in French. Just what I I mean, I I write some English songs here and there, but yeah. But yeah, and it, it definitely can liken it to the metal album. Well, I hadn't even thought about that because metal is such a diverse album. It's like, oh yeah, one, one song sounds like this, and then one sounds a whole nother trip. Yep. And uh, yeah, I guess my album definitely has a pretty wide range of, like you said, for lack of a better word, genres. But they're not they're not genres. None of them really. No, no, they're not because yeah, there's different. There could be two or three genres going on in the same in the same tune. Yeah, inf- pulling from influences is different, which is once again a lot like metal, but at the same time experimenting and finding brand new things that have never been done, which is what I love about metal and the. Oh man, they. The indulge the way they indulge themselves in the sound and metal is just so right. awesome. <laughs> but the proof is in the pudding because it's just a very it, it you know even though it sounds like it, it's not cohesive it's almost like the opposite of cohesive but it all kind of works together where it's like it all kind of yeah. fits together in this yeah, weird. Yeah, you can listen to the whole album and at once you don't get bored or it's not like oh another song that sounds the same. It can, keeps you so interested. And then it just crosses the board where you, you're you very, like, first time or even every time I listen, you're so surprised at how much it changes. And there's so many different parts and movements. And, uh, you know, and that's, I mean, it's interesting having made a solo album in that because bringing, you know, bringing my voice into the other seven songs that are original, but overall using my own voice and telling different stories, like from the Marguerite song which is about a woman from you know who ended up in Opelousas in the 1700s to like my own story like Rev the Troubadours like my own story it just brings so much diversity like I just was going with the inspiration of whatever yeah yeah no but it's really uh yeah it's definitely unique and different and definitely a uh Something that, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting. It was really great. All right, but let's get into this album. Uh, they started out, I guess, I guess Roger Waters was just messing around with a with a bass and a echo, like a tape echo. And uh, and then it's him and uh, David Gilmore sort of uh, doubling up on the bass. And uh, let's listen to the opening track, uh, a little bit of One of These Days. Yes.
Yeah, so so kind of in this opener, it kind of gives you like a preview of what Pink Floyd's going to be doing, I think, for the next, uh, you know, uh, 10 years or so. <laughs> That's a great point. Definitely. Yeah, it is. It feels like a precursor to all those well-known, great pushing the limit songs. I mean, how do you even describe Pink Floyd's style? It's like you said, I mean, they just definitely surpasses genre right 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 yeah because you got yeah you got the uh experimentation going on the tape you know they're they're messing around with a little backwards tape and stuff and you've got and then you got david gilmore with just this this guitar like this you know more more blues based guitar playing but also a little more out there and everything and yeah and it's just kind of it is it is kind of them their own thing it's instrumental i guess the only the only uh, uh vocals in it is the uh, drummer nick mason saying one of these days I'm going to cut you into little pieces. <laughs> That's nice to know the backstory. I've always been like, enjoyed the mystery of it. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah, well, that's a lot. I feel like that's a lot. I mean, obviously they're uh, cryptic and, and I guess this was kind of like the last Pink Floyd record where they all really collaborated. Although, you know, at the end of the day, um, Roger Waters is writing the the lyrics, but still, they were they were all really collaborating on this one. And you know, as Roger Waters became more of a control freak, uh, <laughs> definitely, yeah. uh, definitely changed as well. But uh, I, I like how I like how the theme, like like you said, there's also you hear like the uh, the wind at the beginning, and then and then it sort of bleeds into the next song, which you have it the the wind, and then the wind goes into the next one, which is totally different. Just a really pretty song, I guess about sleep and the different stages of sleep we could talk about it but let's listen to a little bit of a pillow of wings So 
Lewis, I'm just realizing now that that whole that acoustic guitar and the slide guitar very uh, swampy. There's a swampy feel to it, right? You, that's that's what it was. You know, you definitely feel some kind of deep South Louisiana America vibe going on. I mean, yeah, obviously, I think slide so. guitar. <laughs> And, 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 you know, one thing that I think that is an interesting element to the blues and even to Cajun music, the old, you know, Cajun music is that it, a lot of it had a very droney, almost like it sucked you in ambient kind of style rather than the chanka chank, you know? Right, like, right, 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 right. And that, and that definitely feels like it draws off of kind of that laid backness of a uh, Southern music, you know, and. It also sounds like it got them high as well, but oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure there was there was that a lot of that going on as well for sure. That's <laughs> a, nice, a, nice, a nice vibe they create, man. I mean, it's like like you said, if that's their you know last collaboration album, it's interesting to think you know how thing the difference between this and the future albums that are very you can feel the rigidity, even though it's a huge statement and amazing expression, a more rigidity. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, because um, I was just surprised how much the acoustic um, features on this album, acoustic guitar, and on this next one, Fearless. You got um, sounds like uh, sounds like David Gilmore is playing like in a open G uh, tuning, and um, and it's cool. I like how they put the um, football. I guess Liverpool uh, football club. They're they're called the Cop Choir, and they're singing their yeah. anthem. Yeah, <laughs> you'll never walk alone in there. That's what it was. Okay, okay. That's one more question. <laughs> you know, I was like, I knew it was a soccer football thing. Yep. Yep. And I guess it, it was a it was a big thing. It was kind of controversial because even though they used the uh, Liverpool uh, football club, but supposedly Roger Waters was a Arsenal fan, was a big Arsenal fan. So that was kind of like, oh, he's <laughs> but I guess the <laughs> Arsenal didn't have the good uh, chant. They they liked the Liverpool guys chant better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's really cool. And, and uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, it's really the acoustics really produces to a little bit of fearless. Thing. 
Yeah, we, we heard a, a little bit of the cop choir in there, but I'll play underneath. I'll play a little after when they really come in because it's cool. I like how they do it and they sort of manipulate it too. Now you said the cop cop choir. That's what they call it. Yeah, K O P choir. That was the, that was their nickname for the Liverpool uh, football club. Yeah, this one. I mean, totally. I can hear you playing some uh, fiddle on this. Put some fiddle over that. <laughs> That little guitar yeah, part. me too. Definitely, I <laughs> love right. the open. I love the open tunings and how they just. Yeah, and you can tell there's no click track. I mean, it's just like this. So like, yeah, yeah, it's very so and, and yeah. I feel like David Gilmore, you know, adds. I mean, obviously, adds so much to these things. And I, I was going to ask you. I mean, I guess is it dumb to ask you if, you, if you're a Beatles fan? I guess to ask a musician if they're a Beatles fan. I mean, but I, I know there is some people that. Yeah, are like, I definitely, fans. yeah, I definitely like. Uh, I definitely like their music. You know, because <laughs> I feel like I could hear. You know, uh, Rubber Soul came out, and that was kind of like a. Like a big thing that where a band, you know, like a pop band would go more experimental up, and I feel like I could hear that. You know, they influence so much, and I feel like I could hear the uh, uh, Beatles influence on this. The way he's singing, the way Gilmore's singing with the chords. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess you just can't get away from. You know, you, you couldn't yeah, get away. Exactly. From. <laughs> which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, it's great. <laughs> now, Definitely. when you uh, when your brother had the CD and you were exposed to it, were you already uh, playing music yourself? Yes, def- well, definitely. I was, and actually, so the way I think I feel like he used to play it, and I like, but, you know, be, him being my older brother, I wasn't allowed to always just kind of be in there hanging, you know, with him and right. his friends. I kind of had to keep my my distance. So when I finally like borrowed or stole the CD from him. It was when my my buddy and I, who in high school, we were playing music. We had like a few bands together and we were jamming in the loft of my grandparents' barn. Like we had like some psychedelic rock bands in high school. At the same time as we were playing Cajun music with the family band before Lost By Your Ramblers and all that. And so we'd go to the barn like a few times a week and we'd go to the top of the, the loft. There's one one light switch with two light bulbs, you know, one downstairs and one upstairs. Right. We jam out in the barn. There's horses. They freak you out in the middle of the night, like acting like they're gonna kick you and run, charge you if you you know you couldn't. We didn't have cell phones with flashlights and all that. You just like in the right. dark unless you brought a flashlight. <laughs> and we uh we took the CD on the way to practice one time. And when when the part of echoes came up with that sounds like some dinosaurs or whatever right. whatever it is, we stopped we stopped at a stop sign. And it scared us shitless. <laughs> like, you know, we stopped at the stop sign, just stood there for a while. I was like, "What the heck is that?" You know, it's right. like. So I had already been playing. You know, I'd already been playing guitar, and we were we were jamming. We had like some psychedelic rock bands and stuff. I say, which, for lack of a better term, just a lot of original music we were doing in high school. Right. That was just you know jamming all kind of different stuff, and uh, in the you know mid mid nineties, late nineties. So I was definitely already playing but I hadn't, I hadn't started playing fiddle yet though so i was still playing guitar which is a, one other part about rev the troubadour about my solo album is this is my first step back to guitar in you know almost 25 years because oh, once wow, i started okay. playing fiddle, i didn't really play much guitar because i mean i've been playing fiddle professionally for 25 years now or more right and it's become you know what i've known for and it's my definitely my most my the instrument i've played the most especially live and all that and uh, but you know it's been nice to go back to guitar, and I allowed myself to do a lot of the recording on 
this album on guitar just out of me doing it naturally. You know, I, like I said, I wasn't trying to make an album. I was like, oh, let me try to figure this out on guitar. Right, right, right. You know, or this is the chords I'm hearing. And I'd wake up from a dream like this is Rev the Troubadour. And I'd be hearing some other, okay, how, let me figure out what I heard in the dream guitar and whistling and such so it came real organically yeah well that's a good thing about having a studio right there where you're living because you could basically get up in the middle of the night if you want and just go and just put something down right correct exactly yeah. wake up early in the morning go at night exactly <laughs> yeah and hearing yeah and hearing something like this hearing an album i just i guess it just can't help to just oh even, even if it's not anything you're going to have a direct influence on you it's just going to open up your mind to like things to like the possibilities right of what you could do Correct. That is for sure. I mean, that's like, I still don't know what they did on this album. That's which is inspiring to me. It's like they, and they were using whatever tools they had at their, at their utmost possibility. Like, right, right, their, right, right. Their technology. And that's, I think, you know, something that I love doing is like, really, I don't, I'm not a big, like, you know, synth or producer or anything like that, but I love to, I love to experiment with sounds and using like, for example, using accordions, not like they're used to made to be used, like using them for the air and for the drone vibe. Or right, 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 right. Pedals and stuff like, man, Andre, my brother Andre has done some wild stuff with pedals and accordion. Some people come out and say, like, what is that sound? Like, damn, that's the accordion. <laughs> right. <know? laughs> Very much like this, though. Like, kind of like this album, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, all right, so now we get uh, another like really different song. Uh, this is the only one that Roger Waters sings, and it's kind of like a straightforward song about just pe- spending a peaceful holiday at San Tropez. Uh, but it, but it's just really cool. I, I just feel like this album definitely takes you on a little journey, and and this is them, like I said, on a little uh, on a little holiday in San Tropez. Let's listen to a little bit of San Tropez. As I reach for a peach, slide a ride down behind the sofa in Saint-Tropez. Breaking a stick with a brick on the sand, riding a wave in the wake of an old sedan. Sleeping alone in the drone of the darkness, scratched by the sand that love that that part that uh, guitar part that comes in and it, it's just so great it's so it's all so well done it's all got so much it's all so tasteful even though they're like changing you know exploring different genres and types of feels it's almost like besides genres it's like regional feels like what is that supposed to feel like you know it's oh, like, yeah, like you said yeah like you're on vacation or the other one feels like you're sleeping under like a country house or something it's right like, right 
And it just, I, I mean, uh, to people like us too, I, I can't help it that British, this something sounds so British and it sounds so exotic in a way to me, different. That's almost, uh, I felt the same way with your release because you, the fact that you're singing in French just gives it this other, this other, you know, layer that sounds exotic, you know, just different because it's just, <laughs> it's just not the normal, you know, guy singing in English with no accent. It just brings a, it brings a whole new atmosphere to everything. No, def- definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of um, what I've actually been doing. Speaking of, is I've I created a uh, I did my first few music videos, and then I took it a step further and made a visual show to my live performances. So there's actually translation of French and English with visual backgrounds of like old home videos from the family and stuff that mixed up with like other ambient uh, visuals. And it's uh, so so people can actually connect to the lyrics because that is one thing is I, I love singing and, and writing in French, but it definitely limits my definitely limits my audience of who understands it. Now people love it regardless, you know, it's music they love it for what it is. Even if, but oh yeah, oh yeah, but I have uh, no idea uh, what you're actually singing about. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be putting those on YouTube in the next few months. I'm gonna do a, a YouTube up the lyric videos so people can get the translations. But at my live shows, like I'm doing it tomorrow night in New Orleans, the 90 minute, a 90 minute set that we now have to follow. When we do this, we have to follow it. We still have room to improvise within it, but you know, it's, you also got to want to make sure the lyrics sync up to what you're, what you're singing. Right. You know? That's cool though. That the whole uh, audio visual element you're doing, that's funny. Cause I was going to ask you, cause I read, that the houseboat you recorded on is it called it's called sister ray correct is that yep. is that like a nod to the velvet underground yep the guy who gave it to me uh cory ritchie is who gave it to me and he named it sister ray oh from lcd sound system yep correct yep yeah. and he because he's our you know he's from not far from here and he's produced the few of the biggest lost by ramblers albums and uh yeah so he he named it that and the the dream was to go float it across the atchafalaya basin the big giant swamp while jamming sister ray on the top while it was at the solar power <laughs> well that sounds awesome if you ever if, if that ever happens i hope you guys take video of that i want to see that <laughs> yeah definitely definitely that sounds awesome all right, so this next song, Seamus, I guess uh, this is this is pretty funny. I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously, partially it was put on as a goof. And uh, John Leckie, the uh, the studio, the engineer John Leckie, he has said that, he said, uh, David Gilmore comes in on a Saturday morning and he had Steve Marriott's dog. I guess he was dog sitting for Steve Marriott from Humble Pie. And, and he goes, hey, listen to this. And he starts playing the harmonica and the dog's howling. And he says, and they go, quick, Mike, you know, let's mic it up. And and they did it. <laughs> but then John Lucky said, I can't understand why why they put that on the record. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said, I guess it was a joke, but I still haven't uh, gotten the joke. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I, I was wondering about that, too. Where is that I know. I, I love stuff like I love finding stuff about that, about how it's done. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty funny. It's kind of a hoot. Let's just do a little bit of Seamus. <laughs> Shame was my house outside. 
That's great. And now, once again, I hope you don't take offense at this or anything, but this sounds like something that could be could have been recorded down down by you. <laughs> down by you. No, exactly. I right? mean, that's uh that's a good point. And uh well and speaking of on 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 my album, I didn't it wasn't uh <laughs> so so obvious, but uh I had a pair of stereo microphones on the front of the houseboat and I would record the birds as which were actually I think they were definitely like being reactive collaborating with my music if you will oh and right I right right a few times where like i would stop playing they would stop and right, start right, playing. Right. and then one at one point i took uh the fifth song on the album uh les bonjour the good days and I, um and i re i re-recorded it through because the bird when i was mixing it the birds started to sing a bunch so i re-recorded it to itself with additional birds oh nice they were singing to themselves and the birds that were already in the recording because i already had birds in the original recording and there was bird answering those birds so i, I double recorded to itself would add, add an echo and so it was super cool that's great yeah no it is really cool and it does it just adds so much to the ambiance of the whole thing that's great i love stuff like that i'm a sucker for things like that all right, so I got to play, I mean, obviously, I got to play more, a couple of clips from Echoes just to get the full feel of it, um, Let's, because there's a lot to unpack. I mean, just just the uh, audacity of a band to do a, a 23, to put a 23-minute-long, you know, song that takes up the entire second side of their album. I mean, that's pretty ballsy of a band to do, I think. For, yeah, for real. And, I mean, that's, you know, I guess around that, what, what year was this released? 19... 19- 71. Yeah, I mean, so I guess that's right in the time when bands were doing, like, what, Mountain Jam, uh, what, when was, like, Dark Star. Uh, oh, right, okay, other, okay. Long, long, you know, Mountain Jam, of course, uh, and there's definitely a few more that I'm not naming, but, um, yeah, and then the, and then what, what you were talking about earlier with how their style changed, maybe I'm just thinking right now that maybe this is almost the biggest precursor to their future style right oh yeah oh yeah i think that for sure operatic kind of that the that awesome bass line guitar line thing going on that carries the whole song and connects it from front to back yep for sure yeah let's listen to the opening and then i'm and then i got a couple of clips just from a little further in but let's listen to the beginning of echoes Thank you. 
Yeah, I just love how that starts out. And I wanted to play the beginning just because I read that Richard Wright had said, I guess they had this piano in the studio and it had that one note wonky that made like a wonky sound. He thinks there was something wrong with the string on that. And that's what they keyed it. So that's how that became the beginning of the song, because they just loved how that sounded. <laughs> Man, that is that makes complete sense now. But, you know, because I was trying to think, OK, it sounds like it was definitely something that was hit like a piano or a not a synth or something with an effect, but the effect being the out of tuneness plus a lot of reverb. Right, 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 right. (laughs) That's cool, man. That's great. I know. I know. It's great. And and I read, did you read the one thing that what they tried to do for recording this at one point, what they tried to do that they had an idea where each of them would play something, but not hear what the other was playing. (laughs) What? (laughs) But I guess they tried that and for a while they recorded, but nothing came of it because it was just obviously horrible. (laughs) That's hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, they were willing, you know, they were willing to try different things. But let's, hey. yeah, let's go a little further into it when the song sort of starts to, uh, you know, s- sort of starts to to change and, like, uh, evolve. Uh, let's do a little bit more of Echo. So that you could hear very Dark Side of the Moon era Pink Floyd. I mean, you could hear it's kind of like almost the first of it on 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 the album. But uh, you could definitely hear where they were going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it completely sets the tone for the future. It's true. Like, I hadn't thought about all this until we had this conversation. Cause like I said, this album has always just been a great mystery, kind of left in that. But it's also one that we played on the road a lot, like on long drives with the Ramblers, you know? Oh, right, right. <laughs> eight-hour drive like it's a good way to pass some time you know it makes time go a little faster so that's cool i'm I'm curious like this this record just sort of got you high and had such an effect but why did you not do you know like why did why didn't you take like a huge dive into pink floyd after was there a reason or you just weren't uh, weren't as interested I, i wasn't i mean i was familiar enough with you know their you know, Dark Side of the Moon and the That's rest. That's the thing. The- like, like I said, I never. I don't think I've never owned it because you didn't have to because it got played all the. You heard it all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's everywhere. With this one, you had to seek it out. Right. Uh, this one actually, uh, Cecil Doyle on KRVS, our local public radio, plays it every few months. You'll hear 
a track from this album. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But like you said, the other ones, yeah, and they're great. But it's like, yeah, you didn't need to go seek it out. And this, you didn't because all you either, you, yeah, you heard on the radio or other kids, other kids your own age were playing it. Like it was all over. And I never watched um, what is it, uh, Allison uh, one no. Allison wanted to know what was oh, supposed um, to watch. Um, Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz with the. <laughs> Same difference. Yeah. That's funny. I never watched Wizard of Oz and did the whole Dark Side of the Moon thing right, either. Right. <laughs> we got time. No, who has time for that? Um, all right. So I just want to play. Actually, it, it's really cool. I mean, this thing definitely takes you on this little journey. And then eventually there are uh, there are lyrics and uh, some singing comes in. So I just want to play that part when uh, David Gilmore finally comes in. And it's actually it's cool because it's David Gilmore and Richard Wright uh, also sing on vocals, which I guess is the only it's the only time uh, Richard Wright really sang on, on uh, Pink Floyd or one of the only ones. But let's listen to uh, a little bit more. Yeah, so I'm just picturing you guys driving on these long drives, like listening to this, going to your, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, going to your gigs. Endless hills in Alabama or like California. Yeah. Curvy roads or whatever, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ben, we played this played this album in a lot of states. You know? Yeah, but, uh, so, but I think at the end of the day, it's funny. At first, I'm like, wow, that's weird that this guy who who does this music uh want to talk about this but it really all kind of makes sense and i would just say to anyone if, if if you're a fan of this album i really think you're going to be a fan of lewis's uh music and this release rev the troubadour I, I think you're going to dig it and be a fan of it and and it's not like you could draw a straight line from one to the other of course you know yeah that's i hadn't even thought about the uh comparisons or the similarities before we, before this discussion so that's uh that's pretty cool it's there I'm there's like, a definitely. reason there's always a reason something gets you high yeah you know exactly <laughs> All right, so this uh, the release is on Novo Electric Records, right? That's who's putting put it Correct. out. Correct. Yep. And where's the best uh, for someone to check it out? Where do you want them to send them? Where's the best place for them to go? Uh, so there's a there's a louismichaud.com, L-O-U-I-S-M-I-C-H-O-T.com, NouveauElectricRecords.com, and of course there's a Bandcamp. We uh, went and played the Bandcamp during our release tour. And uh, of course, any record shop in Louisiana should have it. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. All right. That's cool. 
It's on vinyl. It's on three different colors of vinyl. So. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks, Lewis. Yeah, it was really great uh, having you on and talking about this. And this was our first. Oh, no, it wasn't our first because uh, Roger Miller from uh, Mission of Burma did the first one. Uh, Piper's at the Gates of Dawn. I forgot. But uh, definitely a, a different Pink Floyd than uh, than this one for sure. Yeah, it was great. To, thanks for describing the process of the songs. You unraveled the mystery a little bit. That's we... what we do here. That's what we do here. Uh, exactly. All right. Don't forget, everyone, uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram and Facebook, it's at That Record Got Me High. On X, it's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you want to support the show like so many do, and I really appreciate you all, just go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH for as little as $2 a month. You could become a patron and support the show. I appreciate it. Lewis, thanks again. It was really fun having you on and talking to you. Pleasure, pleasure. Uh, can't, wait to, can't wait to hear it. All right. Yeah, got a few weeks. I heard it and, just uh... now. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Rob Elba. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, Rob. See you,